0: He's got some things on display, he said they're not for sale, but I bet if you give him a hundred dollars for one of them, he'll let you have it. I think everything's for sale. <laughs> He's going to be out of here in January going back to his field. Thank God, we're excited about that. And uh, this church supports him. Uh, now hundred dollars a month, I believe. Uh, the family and uh, for years, we just love them. I'd let him speak, but he's very, very long-winded. So we're just, we're just going to bring up the man of God. We love you, Brother Jackson. Thank you for ministering to us. Come on. Put your hands together for the man of God. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Man, I tell you what, I'm so thankful for the presence of God that's in this place, and uh, just what a great time that we've had already. Uh, appreciate so much the kindness and the hospitality, and uh, with everything, I mean, we, there was some, uh, a lot of food, a lot of gifts, a lot of snacks uh, in the hotel that I was in on Sunday, and uh, For the first time I wasn't able to finish it all so that's how much was in there and so I left defeated but I shall overcome amen (laughs) appreciate so much your pastor and uh, pastor's wife brother and sister Kyle and uh, their family and not only just their kindness that has been shown to my wife and I throughout the years but as you can see just the continual support Uh, with missionaries just a global vision this church impacts more than just here but it goes beyond these four walls all throughout the country and throughout the world and so it's so good to meet brother patterson here give honor to you and uh, honestly just so many I was just looking out I mean there's a lot of the young people here that are involved in camps all summer every year And uh, I know that is a huge sacrifice, and uh, just from the top to the bottom, everybody's involved with everything. Uh, Brother Navad, he's on the P7 national team uh, leading that. Uh, Man, just so many things, and I, I just honor and respect all of you. I think you should clap your hands to be a part of such a wonderful church. Amen. Why don't we open up our Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 2. I appreciate so much uh, all the behind-the-scenes that have gone into this revival, and uh, Brother Sapp continually uh, keeping me updated, reaching out to me. And uh just been such a blessing. I never have to ask questions of where I'm going to be at, what's happening. He's already updated me with all the addresses and everything. Just... well-oiled machine uh, this wonderful church is and it's just a privilege to be a part Uh, gospel of Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1 just pray that this will be a blessing to you tonight what a wonderful crowd on a Wednesday Uh, thank you guys all for uh, coming worshiping the Lord with us if you have it say amen where Christ should be born. And they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem and the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Let's go on to verse 19. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother, And go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea, in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither, notwithstanding being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. Last scripture, verse 23, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. I want to preach on this subject tonight, the divine link between Nazareth and Bethlehem. The divine link between Nazareth and Bethlehem. Why don't you lay lay your Bibles down? Everyone close your eyes and lift up your hands. You'll understand my title by and by. God, I ask for you to bless your people here tonight. Lord, we submit to your will, we submit to your plan. I ask for you to minister deeply into every person's here. I ask for you to help me to speak what thus saith the word of the Lord. Help me to speak with clarity, God. Let the word pierce every heart. Let it touch. Let it edify. Let it cleanse. Oh, God, let it be sincere milk. Let it be meat. Let it be a sword. Let it be a fire, God. Let it be a hammer that breaks the rocks. I ask for your word to go forth with power here tonight and to change lives forever touch heal and mend in jesus name i pray amen can you clap your hands unto the lord Ah. look at the person next to you and tell them there is a link between nazareth and bethlehem whatever that means (laughs) you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As I have studied the scriptures thoroughly, I've come to a conclusion that faith gives us access to God. Does anybody believe that? Faith gives us access to God but that is not God's only access to us. Well let me say that again. Praise the Lord. Faith gives you access to him but that is not his only access to you. He said before I formed you in the belly I knew you and I ordained you, in other words, uh, before you ever took your first breath, uh, I was already working behind the scenes on you before you ever even got here, uh, before you ever even confessed my name, uh, before you ever even got baptized, uh, before you ever even spoke in tongues, uh, I was working behind the scenes on you. No man cometh unto God except the Spirit draw him. In other words, uh, the Spirit has a way of drawing you even when you do not even believe in him. Uh, And many of us can testify that I was an atheist, but somehow God drew me in to the house of God. I I didn't deserve, come on somebody, Uh, I was in a car wreck where I should have died, and I blasphemed his name. But somehow behind the scenes, he was protecting me because I had a potential that I didn't even realize yet amen this helps us To understand or tap into the transcendent nature of God. Uh, The transcendent nature of God. It is tough uh, for us to grasp this transcendent nature. Uh, This nature has caused theologians and scholars uh, to argue over the text. uh, Over Genesis all the way to Revelation. Uh, uh, Theologians are still arguing to this day uh, over the book of Genesis. Because uh, we understand. Understand that God inspired Moses to write the book of Genesis. But theologians, when they look at the complexities of the book of Genesis, they argue that there had to be more than one writer. Moses could not have had this type of depth of revelation. Well, particularly where they are struggling with is Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Where they do not believe that Moses alone could have wrote it. They said there had to be more than one writer. We know it was just Moses. But here's where they're fighting over it. In Genesis 1, whenever God is mentioned, he is mentioned by the Hebrew word Elohim. and Elohim, it speaks to the transcendent nature of God. It speaks about a God that has no need for man. A God that is abstract, that speaks and it comes to pass. He speaks to the stars once and they're held hostage and they cannot move. For eternity He speaks and everything comes into existence Can I tell you in Genesis 1 God is mentioned over 30 times And man is not mentioned 5 times Can I preach to you God is the main character of the Bible Not man But when man gets in relationship with God That's what brings man on the scene Can I preach to you right now It is a transcendent God With no need for man, self-sufficient this is uh, this is where we fight here because here hear me right now no man can ever give to God where God gains value and no man can ever receive from God where God loses value in other words if I give you ten dollars I lost ten dollars if you give me ten dollars I gain ten dollars but no man can ever give or take away from God so whether you praise him or or not, he's still God all by himself. Some people think if I fold my arms, that's gonna make God mad, no? God says, it's in your best interest uh, to praise me. Uh, It's in your best interest uh, to worship me. (laughs) Somebody shout yes. He's transcendent. The Elohim speaks to the transcendent majesty of God. That cannot, that is abstract. Can't even comprehend a God that creates the world. Can't comprehend it. We can't comprehend it because your faith did not create the world. Can't even our faith can't even reach to that dimension in Genesis 1 he's mentioned as Elohim which speaks to his transcendence but in Genesis 2 there's a major difference and this is where they are fighting because in Genesis 2 whenever God is mentioned he's not mentioned by the Hebrew word Elohim he's mentioned by the Hebrew word Yahweh And Yahweh denotes personal relationship with man. In Genesis 1, God is speaking of himself abstract from man. But in Genesis 2, God is speaking of himself as if he is a man. Anthropomorphisms, ways that man can understand. God saw, God held, God's right hand. God doesn't have a physical right hand. God is a spirit. But he uses man's language to get you to understand him so you can tap into his transcendence. So what you got to understand here today is that God has to humble himself to speak to you. He said, you cannot handle me and my transcendent nature. So I have to just reveal an aspect of me because you cannot handle all of me. And you have the audacity to question God. Can I preach to you? God created your questions. You're not hearing me right now. He is bigger than your questions. He is bigger than your doubts. He is bigger than your fear. He uses your language to get you to understand him so you can tap into his transcendence. He humbles himself to get his word across to you where you can understand it. I never heard anybody in in America or that speaks English, I never heard them ever say, God gave me a word today in German. I just need somebody to translate it. I never heard somebody say, you know what? God spoke to me in Dutch today. I don't know what it meant. He stoops down to speak to you in a way that you can comprehend. A gangster comes in the church and God's like, yo, you want the Holy Ghost? You're not hearing me right now. He stoops down to get you to understand him so you can tap into his transcendence. He created your voice. He created your words. And he chooses to receive it as praise doesn't have to and all you can say about him is that God you're good and God's like you're not even close (laughs) but because that's the best you can do well I'll just go ahead and receive it You say, well, God, you're awesome. No, no, you're not even close to it. But because that's the best you can do in your language, I'll receive the praises even from a baby, even from a suckling, even from somebody that doesn't have a full revelation. Amen. I'm going somewhere. Just give me some time. I'm building up now. But the whole time, the whole Old Testament, God is trying to bridge the gap to man, and man has wants nothing to do with God. He sends Jeremiah, they don't want to hear him. He sends Isaiah, he doesn't want to hear him. He sends Nahum, Obadiah, Zephaniah, Zechariah, Micah, he sends Hosea. He sends these prophets to try try to bridge the gap to man. And man doesn't want anything to do with God. And so God says, since no man can bridge the gap to man, I will become a man (laughs) to bridge the gap. And he is born in Bethlehem. Matthew, he says, that Jesus was Elohim God with us. Jesus was transcendent with us. The transcendent God. Now, 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 now. Only God can put transcendence in a body. We can't even comprehend transcendence. But He said, "I'm so big, I can put all of me in a body." That's why they looked at Jesus and said, hold on, hold on, you you can't be God, you're a man. He goes, I know, that's what's crazy, right? The fullness of the Godhead is in the man Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so... This king of kings, he's born in Bethlehem. You would think that this king would be welcome to the sound of handclaps and dancing and a parade. But he's welcome to the sound of cows moving and the sounds of sheep bang. But if we could translate their words, translate their animal noises, it would translate into praise. Saying that a savior and a king is born in this manger. We don't understand it all. No, we don't. But he's born in that manger with that stench. And the Bible says that he was born in Bethlehem. This is my first point. Bethlehem, it was an ancient city. It was a city where the matriarchs were buried. It was a city with the royal lineage of kings. It was that city with the lineage of King David. It was that city where Boaz and Ruth came together. It was a royal city with a sacred heritage, and Jesus was born in Bethlehem. But hear me right now, you never heard one time anybody ever call Jesus, Jesus the Bethlehemite. You never heard not one person pray, in the name of Jesus the Bethlehemite, we look at him like, bro, don't you know, is jesus of nazareth and matthew said that the prophets prophesied that he would be called a nazarene can i tell you there is not one old testament scripture that ever says the messiah would be called a nazarene that's your homework for tonight go look it up when you get home Not one Old Testament scripture ever calls the Messiah that he would be called a Nazarene. Not one. But the prophets did prophesy that the Messiah would be rejected. And during the times of Jesus, Nazareth was synonymous with the one word, rejection. If you were from Nazareth, it was a rejected place. It was on a major Gentile trade route where every Jew looked down on Nazareth. If you were from Nazareth, you were a nobody. You were from nothing. Even Nathaniel, who was from a tough place called Cana of Galilee, he was from a despised city. But when he heard Jesus was from Nazareth. He said, can there be any good thing that comes out of Nazareth? He was from a rejected place, but even he looked down on Nazareth. And what God was trying to teach us was that when I come to earth, I did not come to identify with my royalty. I've come to identify with the rejected. I've come to identify with the broken. I've come to identify with the the hurting and with the pool. Oh, somebody clap your hands to the Lord right now. Halamo Hallelujah he said don't you dare call me a Bethlehemite. When I will not come to earth, I want you to call me a Nazarene I've come to yoke up with those that are broken I've come to be touched with the feelings of their infirmities and I'm not too big where I will not humble myself and come alongside somebody that's hurting and that's struggling I'm not ashamed of your brokenness I'm not ashamed of your trial and the whole reason I came to be made flesh is to come into your situation Ha! it was in Nazareth those that were raised in a single parent household it was in Nazareth those that were raised with divorced parents it was in Nazareth those that were raped and never told anybody about it it was in Nazareth those that were molested by family and didn't tell anybody it was in Nazareth those that were victimized of domestic violence. It was in Nazareth those that grew up with a low self-esteem because they had a daddy that was never there and they had a mother that always talked her down and God said I'm coming down in a Nazarene home. I wish somebody would clap their hands right now. I I I, come on, somebody clap their hands right now. Oh. Hallelujah. It was in Nazareth where they were scared to open up their emotions because they've been betrayed so many times by those that are close to them. It was in Nazareth those that had marriages that did not work out. It was in Nazareth that had kids that were wayward. Hey, I'm preaching to somebody right now. It was in Nazareth where they told them that you'll never be anything. You'll never be nobody. You better stop trusting in that church. Remember, you you're going to be just like your daddy. You're going to be just like your mama. And you try to appease the void, young women, by finding relationships. But those relationships do not work out. Why? Because you're looking for somebody that's just like your daddy. And your daddy left you. Now your relationships leave you. Because relationships will not feed the void. But only if you allow Jesus to come down in your Nazareth. You will avoid no relationship no friendship hallelujah to God Nazarenes they have a low self esteem this is why millionaires they make all of this money but there are millionaires that wake up every morning with the pursuit of money why to try to gain enough value to themselves to show their father that was never there that you never should have left me and I'm going to make as much money is I gotta make uh, to prove to you uh, that you were wrong uh, forever abandoning my mom uh, and forever abandoning me uh, and even though the dad's been dead for 10 years still the motivation on the inside uh, to succeed uh, is driven uh, by the fatherless cry Nazarenes they're more comfortable in trouble than they are being blessed Because their whole life they were told they couldn't handle blessing. And so they're comfortable in trouble. But anytime time they get blessed, they get paranoid. I don't want to feel God of pride. I don't want to feel God of pride. God, God, help me to handle it, Lord. I don't want to be... Yeah and and you could be so successful and so blessed that you are literally just to feel comfortable create problems in your mind People opening up their arms loving you welcoming you in the church huh? you are stiff arming them Cause you don't you don't love me you're looking behind every eye every hand gesture every body language just to see uh, if they're talking about you why because uh, you came from a background uh, where those that you trusted in uh, they always betrayed you uh, and always stabbed you in the back come on somebody uh, this is a church uh, where you are welcome uh, to feel loved by the father can I preach to you? I know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking from head knowledge here. i How come to tell you that I was raised in Nazareth? I was raised right by I had an abusive stepdad that used to beat the daylights out of me every day. He was a military man. He punched me in the face, kicked me while I was on the ground. Tell me that I was nothing, I was a nobody, and that I wish you would die, and I wish that you had never been born. I was raised in Nazareth. I go to school with bruises all over my body. I go to school with busted lips. And the teacher asks me, What happened to you? I lie. I say, I tripped and fell. I was raised in a Nazarene home with punches and bruises and low self-esteem not raised in the church. It was so bad. My mom told me for the first five years of your life, you could not speak a word intelligibly. Nobody could understand a word that came out of your mouth. The trauma has stricken you so bad. In kindergarten, I had to send you to a speech therapist to teach you how to talk right. But my mom told me two years ago, she said, what you don't understand is that I'll never forget at three years old you would be on your grandma's porch holding a stick in your hand and you lift up that stick to your mouth and the only understood that you said was Jesus, 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 acting like you were preaching. Come on, I wasn't raised in church, but I thank God that God was big enough to come down to the Nazarene home and bring something beautiful out of a broken plate. I wish somebody would clap their hands right now and thank God that he is able to come down in your trial. Thank God that he is able to come down. It is in Nazareth where family does not want to understand what God is doing in you. Jesus, he went back to Nazareth. A walking miracle. And the Bible says he could not Do many mighty works there because of their unbelief it's when you go back to that Nazarene home and try to testify about what God is doing they don't want to hear you but the minute you tell them about trouble they're all ears I told you about that church I told you about that and it's Nazareth is so bad that you walk around with the stigma of a Nazarene home think about it with me the children of Israel they were in captivity for 430 years but they came out of captivity after one day and after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they go into the promised land. And while they're in the promised land, God speaks to them. And he says, this day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Hold on. You were out of Egypt for 40 plus years. But God said, this day have I rolled away the reproach. That word reproach in the Hebrew literally means harsh words it took a day for them to get delivered from the whips but it took 40 years for them to get delivered from the words it wasn't just that they whipped them it was what they said while they were whipping them you're grasshoppers you're nobody you're nothing and even when god was trying to do something great they could not believe that they were worthy because they heard the words of egypt in their mind saying they're nothing Every time God wants to bless you, you don't feel like you're worthy. Because you feel like you're worthy, you get drawn and held hostage to a cycle. Because the words of Nazareth are still in your mind. I don't care that you're in that church. You're still going to be just like your daddy. You're still going to be just like your mama. And they felt, God, what makes you think you're going to succeed with God? Ah, I'm preaching now. Everybody looks up to you in the church, but you feel so unworthy thinking that you, God's going to pull the rug out from under you, like you're going to fail God at any moment. Ah, you're scared. Come on, somebody. Some of you are scared to pray p- prayers of blessing because you already see yourself when you're blessed being cast down. I'm preaching to somebody. I've come with an anointing here tonight to deliver you from every harsh word that was spoken over your life and was spoken over your family and i cast out every word and release the words of the living god if you receive that why don't you clap your hands unto the lord and lift up your voice for a moment if you receive this word that i'm preaching clap those hands and lift up your voice If this word is helping you, cut those hands and lift up your voice. This is why Nazareth needs Bethlehem. Nazareth and Bethlehem are both instrumental cities to the maturity of the body of Christ. And Bethlehem was that ancient city. It was that city with royal lineage. It was that city with a sacred heritage. It was that city... With incredible roots. It was that city with incredible tradition. Bethlehem represents the second, third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth generation apostolic Christians. Nazareth represents the first generation apostolic Christians. And Nazareth, the first generation, needs Bethlehem, the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth generation apostolics. So they can have a royal perception of themselves. Because. Nazareth needs Bethlehem because they have such a low self esteem, feeling so unworthy around such the such glory of God, where well, they need a Bethlehemite to point a finger at them. It says, no matter what mess you came out of, once you became a part of the church, your royalty. I don't care what demons you fought. I don't care what your mama and daddy said about you. I don't care what your brother and sister lied on you and said. Once you become a part of the body of Christ, hey, you are royalty. You are royalty. No matter the mistakes that you made, you are royalty. No matter the dilemmas you've had, you are royalty. So the first generation apostolic Christian needs the sixth generation apostolic Christian so they can have a royal perception of themselves. Nazareth needs Bethlehem and and Bethlehem needs Nazareth. My Lord. Bethlehem needs Nazareth because when you've been in this a while. You can start taking this treasure for granted. Where you come to church out of obligation and not opportunity. And what once was a blessing, you feel like it's a burden. I don't get to do what my friends do. I don't get to dress how my friends dress. If I... if this church just wasn't holding me back because Bethlehemites after you've been in in a while entitlement can creep in and you start taking for granted what you have until you see a Nazarene walk in And you see that Nazarene run to the altar while your pastor's preaching coming down their face and while you're folding your arms back there looking all cool they're just hungry for a move of God they're just hungry for the word of God and when a Bethlehemite sees that first generation walk in all of a sudden they say you know what I thank God that my mom raised me in this I thank God that daddy brought me to church I thank God for my heritage What would happen if a first generation apostolic Christian got a sixth generation perspective of themselves? And what if the sixth generation apostolic Christian got a first generation hunger? Something powerful would take over this atmosphere. Something powerful would take over this community. Because when Nazareth links up with Bethlehem, something begins to change in the atmosphere. When the first generation doesn't look down on those that have had and those with the heritage don't look down on those that are first generation but they come under one house together and they worship the Lord together and Nazareth thanks God for what he's been delivered from and Bethlehem thanks God for what they have been kept from just like Nazarene's struggle might struggle too. Because this is why Bethlehem needs Nazareth. Because when you've been in this and raised in this, everything that you do is compared to the previous generation's success. Because you have now the pressure of people on you to function in the same role your daddy or your mama or your granddaddy or grandmama functioned in and if you don't do that you feel like a failure Uh, you may be five years old and licking a lollipop and uh, somebody elder come up to you in church and like When you gonna start praying like your daddy? What's prayer? When you gonna start interceding like your great-grandmama? When you when you gonna start and and they're not even able to be a child because of the pressure people put on them, or if they do not do what people expect of them, they are a failure. Feel the pressure of people. The pressure of a heritage. For if you don't preach like Daddy, if you don't sing like Mama, if you don't do that, and you have a call for children's ministry, you're scared to pursue your call because everybody's gonna look at you like you messed up. Because they feel the pressure. And they'll do what the pressure tells them to do just to make everybody happy. But they're decaying on the inside. Uh. Because of the weight of heritage. This is why Elijah, after he called down fire from heaven, hear me, he calls down fire from heaven. And then Jezebel chases after him. He He's under the juniper tree, and he prays this prayer. Look what he prays. Lord, kill me. And we like to say that he prayed that prayer because Jezebel was after him. That's not true. Look at the text. He said, Lord, kill me, for I am not better than my fathers. It was the weight of heritage. That even a man that calls down fire from heaven, when he looked at the previous generation, he felt like a failure. And everybody's clapping and thanking you. Thank you. You bless me. You minister to me. Thank you. Thank you. And deep down, you look at your previous generation's prayer life and like, man, what am I doing with my life? This is why Bethlehem needs Nazareth because Nazarenes teach Bethlehemites how to get delivered from people. Because the Nazarene walked in and they walked out of denominations, come on somebody. Where when they chose this path, they got shunned. My family shunned me for three years for getting in this. But I didn't care. Because my hunger superseded my care for what people thought about me. Nazarenes walk in from denominations. They walk in from family backgrounds. They walk in from all of these things. And they just don't care because they want to be who God's called them to be. And when a Bethlehemite sees a Nazarene get delivered from people like that, they say, you know what? I'm not going to be what people are pressuring me to be. I'm going to be everything that God has called me to be. And when a Nazarene links up with a Bethlehemite, Nazarenes don't look down on Bethlehemites and say, well, you wouldn't understand because you've never been through what I've been through. Can I tell you something? Thank God they've never been through what you've been through. You don't need someone to go through what you've gone through. You need somebody to be an example on how to have a godly marriage and how to raise your kids in church. Because your previous generation marriages, come on somebody. You don't know what it's like to have a godly home. You were raised in dysfunction. And you need an example. And Bethlehemites don't look down on Nazarenes and say, man, they, they, they don't know church etiquette yet. They don't know they, they, when are they going to get the revelation of, of, of holiness and and all the doctrine and all of these things. When they, and they look down, sniff up your nose. Because they don't know when, when it's the perfect time to clap. When's the perfect time to say amen. Instead of looking down on them, you link up with them. And worship God together. And some of your royalty will get on them. And some of their hunger will get on you. everybody stand with me I feel incredible unity in this place because whenever you link up with a Nazarene whenever a Nazarene links up with the Bethlehemite people there is a delivering anointing that comes in the atmosphere that helps the person next to you here's what I want us to do if you're a first generation apostolic Christian if you're a Nazarene I want you to come on this side right now I want you to come on this side as quick as you can that's it come on this side come on my right side and if you're a second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation apostolic Christian, I want you to come to this left side right here. That's it. I want the first generation on this side. I want the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth generation on this time. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. <laughs> Come on, that's it, move in. Second, third, fourth, and fifth and sixth generation right here. First generation right here. That's it, move in. That's it, move in. That's it, move in. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. Ah, My Lord. My Lord. That's it, move in. That's it, there's room. That's it, there's room that's it there's room let me tell you something what we're gonna do in a moment is I want all the Nazarenes is I I want you to start thinking about all the things that God has brought you from I want you to start thinking about all the things that God has delivered you from all the doors that he's opened All the stigmas that he's taken away and that he's going to take away. I want you to think about how God sees you and how God sees your family. And I just want you to think on that. Bethlehemites, I just want you to start thinking about your heritage. I want you to start thinking about those that have paid the price before you. I want you to start thinking about and thanking God for what you have been kept from. I want you to begin to think about... this incredible treasure that God has entrusted you with. Oh, as you're thinking of those things, I want you to just lift up your hands to the sky. And Bethlehemites, I just want you to thank God for what you've been kept from. And Nazarenes, I just want you to thank God for what you've been delivered from. I just want you to open up your mouth right now and give God some praise in this house. Hey kalala mahasha taya. Ella ma yalala ma kataya. la 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 Thank you for my heritage, Lord Thank you for delivering me, Lord Come on, that's it, Bethlehemites. You've got to pass this heritage down to your kids. That's it, Nazarenes. You get to start a new lineage in your kids But they don't have to go through what you've gone through because they're raised in the church, they're raised on a pew. Ah, alamashaya, akandela bahasa taya, ayatinda habaya, ikondolo lomosata tabakaya, alamai menolomoshaya. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Now here's what I want us to do, as huh? I want the Bethlemites. Huh? to start making your way to the Nazarenes. And I want the Nazarenes to start making your way towards the Bethlehemites. I want you to link up with the Nazarene. And Nazarenes, I want you to link up with the Bethlehemite. And I want you to grab their hands. That's it, make your way. Make your way to the middle, move in. You may have to come all the way across. Find a Nazarene and find a Bethlehemite. And I want you to grab their hands right now. And as you grab their hands, I want you to start worshiping God for what he's done in the person next to you. I want you to start thanking God for that person's heritage. I want you to start thanking God at what they've been delivered from. And there is gonna be an anointing that comes down and destroys yokes, and destroys fetters, and destroys chains. Because there is a unity of the Spirit in this place. That's it. Lift up your voice. Grab that person's hand next to you and begin to speak some things. Begin to thank the Lord. I feel a unity in this place. I feel this church being stronger. I feel the anointing coming down.